It's a TX Water Polo Show special today with an extended interview with one of the most successful coaches in Texas history. And while his record as a coach is impressive, his story about living and leaving Nikolai Ceausescu's Romania is one of the more fascinating conversations I can remember. So here's Mihai Oprea, head coach at St. Mark's School and Trident Water Polo in Dallas, Texas. Six-time state champion, several-time coach of the year, and a pioneer of water polo in Dallas. It's Mihai Oprea, head coach at St. Mark's. How are you, Mihai? Hi, James. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Good, good. This is uh, we're, we're talking, um, uh, obviously, in a time when we got some spare time about the history of Texas water polo, and it would be ridiculous not to get a chance to speak with you about it, um, given the success that you've had. Um, St. Mark's has been a very successful program over the years and has won several championships, as we already discussed. But, but what is interesting is your story about coming to Texas in the first place, because if you don't know who Mihai Oprea is, he's a native Romanian who came to this country in 1997. Is that right? Uh, I came in 91, uh, actually, uh, but started at, uh, at St. Mark's in That's uh, 1996, 97. Yes. Got it. So, um, but I, I wanted to see if we could go back a little bit about your experience in Romania, because uh, another thing that Joe and I have been talking about is our own experience as players, you know, because sure. we did actually play at some point, And obviously you did, too. So is there a way that you can describe what a sort of athlete's experience would be in 1980s, 1970s Romania? Uh, sure. Um, well, I, I, I started in 1977. Um and I, I started uh, in a club, so in Europe, uh, water polo, like any other sport, was not a school sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in school, you just go to school and, and you do physical education, but there are no sports. So if you want to play a sport, you have to join a club. And the clubs have several disciplines, you know, including water polo. So um, I was fortunate enough that in between all the other sports that that I tried and I played, I also been lucky enough to 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 start and play water polo in 1977. And was that because you you were interested and you went to them, or was there somebody recruiting you? No, no, no. I had no idea about water polo whatsoever. Okay. Um, so uh, the the short story is, I I spent all my childhood in Transylvania with my my grandmother, and. When I came to be around 10, 11 years old, uh, she was very worried about me because we have a huge river close and as kids we go and swim in the river and uh, and she didn't think I'm a strong swimmer. So she told my father, you need to you need to get this guy that is a better swimmer because if you don't, I, I don't want him here anyway because I don't want him to be responsible. So, so, so my dad, of course, um, the first opportunity, he took me and put me in uh, swim lessons. And uh, again, the, the luck was that the swim instructor was a ex-swimmer and ex-water polo player. Okay. Uh, so I went through this two weeks course and um, I was kind of at the top of the, the group of those kids. And, and he came to me and he says, hey, listen, you know, we are finishing up. Would you be interested to play water polo? And I said, well, I have no idea what it is. Hey, it's in the water. It's fun. I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I want to. So I went to my dad and said, dad, dad, can I play water polo? I just yeah whatever go try it. <laughs> so uh, so that's what I that's how I started you know and uh, I, I remember the, the the funniest story now is that my first practice I went there it was an outdoor pool a 25 meter outdoor pool 
And uh, I come in, I say, coach, and they say, oh, it's great to see you. And, and they start the warm up and then they said, well, jump in and uh, do a hundred mix. And I said, what's a hundred mix? And he says, well, 25 fly, 25 back. And I said, I don't know what it is, coach. And he said, don't worry about it. Just look at the other kids and do exactly the same thing. Right. And that was my swimming instruction. <laughs> Uh, of, course that's I, so cool. of course, I threw up after the butterfly. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's how that's how I started. Uh, that's a great story to start. Um, and then once you're established with this club, what's it like? I mean, it, it, is it comparable to an American club in the sense that you're competing against your local rivals and so on? Are you playing internationally? What happens with you in your career? Yeah. So uh, this club particularly. Um, uh, it was which, was not which sorry. was what by the way let's give your club a, a yeah it was called the the sports cl- sports club number two so okay. it was SS two which is a very small not one of the biggest powerful clubs in Bucharest like uh, Stawa or Dinamo so but we're lucky that we had this coach that um, that was an extraordinary coach so um, you know was a swimmer was a water polo player this is the guy who who you know was, who taught me how to swim. Um, and we had a group of guys who were born in 1965, and there we go by years, you know, 1965, 66 together. Um, and we grew up together as a team, and we won six straight national championships, starting from 12U, 14U, 16, and so forth. Uh, and six or seven of us end up being on a national junior team and the senior team. Wow. So we're very, very lucky that um, we're in this great program and with great guys that we stuck together. Uh, yes, we did play. Of course, we had a, uh, a municipal championship like is Bucharest, all the teams in Bucharest, which is the, the biggest center for polo in Romania. Then you play nationally and and at that time, there were only like three or four other big cities in Romania that played polo. One of it is Orade, which is, which is kind of one of the famous spots for water yeah. polo. Um, and the strongest teams were either the Stawa or Dinamo, you know, the police team or the, or the army team in Bucharest or the team in Orade. So, uh, so we're competing against those guys. And, and of course, we have uh, training trips, most of them in Hungary, in Budapest. Yeah. Uh, in Yugoslavia, like uh, either to Belgrade or Zagreb. So mostly, mostly our trips are in uh, Eastern Europe, since we're a communist country. Uh, we played in the uh, Balkan Games and, and of course European Championships and and uh, every every other international competition. But um, um, mostly you would play in the internal championship right okay. the Romanian Cup or the Romanian championship and and that usually goes finish with a um, uh, final tournament uh, that you have uh, like the top eight teams in the country and you play a final tournament through the national team so you get national champions got it okay um someday you and i need to talk offline about your experience traveling because i find that fascinating yeah. and when you're as a team you know the because you're under these certain restrictions when you do so and so i, I find that stuff very fascinating yeah. but that's some good stories out there <laughs> <laughs> some of which we could probably broadcast some not but that's okay uh, yeah. yeah mostly probably not but yeah. <laughs> i want to jump ahead to actually a really significant period in history which was uh you know the the totalitarian leader of uh, romania since 1960 
65 was Nikolai Ceausescu. Yeah. And he fell uh, and, uh, you know, his regime fell in 1989, yeah. along with most of the rest of the communist world. Yeah. But my recollection of talking with you was that you were there at his final speech. I was. Uh, I was there. Um, actually, uh, it happened after the practice. I, I was with one of my friends, came after practice. Uh, I went to his house um, and then we're hearing that, that things are happening and uh, and but let's go. So we went there and uh, we end up in the um, whatever the Communist Party Central Committee um, in the Palace Square. Uh, and but that 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 was a meeting, kind of like his last meeting, and uh, the the square was was absolutely full of people. So we end up being kind of the back uh, of the crowd. Uh, but yes, we we were we were there. So so it was very interesting. Ceausescu and his wife are then sort of taken out in a personnel armored personnel carrier and uh, taken to this uh, this interesting trial and then executed. And uh, I mention it because this is all on YouTube. Like you can find this stuff. And for any of you who are curious about what a speech like his would look like and then the you know aftermath of that, you can find it. It's pretty incredible. Yes, and and being there is even more incredible because um, living in communism all my life. Um, just just thinking of communists falling is kind of more like I would probably just probably I will end up walking to the moon easier and faster than communists falling. So so it's out of this world uh, kind of feeling. Uh, of course, in the front there, the all the people, the organizers, so everybody's like clapping and yeah, party members, right? Mainly yeah, all the party members, all the security, all the secret police, everybody is in front. So they're clapping and, and cheering for him. But then pretty soon into the to the speech, when he starts thanking the people who organized the, the meeting and all that, they start hearing what's actually was happening in the back. Uh, so that kind of startled him. And and from there, start going down with uh, he started promising things and his wife was telling him what to say. And uh, he's telling everybody to shut up. Yeah, screaming at people and. So eventually they took him, went on top and uh, flew out of the, you know, the helicopter and uh, went back to his uh, residence in Snagov. And it's just I, like you said, you probably can find all that on, on YouTube right now. What's uh, what's incredible is what um, so obviously you're getting state controlled media. So you see what the crowd is looking like. You see the sort of the staged reactions of those people who are in the front yeah. row. Every time he says something, there's a, a supposedly spontaneous uh, reply, oh, yeah. which, of course, is ridiculous. Um, but what you mentioned it, what was going on in the back? Because the crowd was vast. And then suddenly there's basically screaming. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're people are like screaming from the beginning, and people are screaming about everything what happened in Timisoara a few mm. days before the the city in the western Romania where where this kind of started, uh, and 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 people they they kind of they didn't know at the beginning how to do it, and of course they're afraid, and and then more and more people were were kind of you know losing it in a way. So uh, it was it became more and more evident. That people in the crowd that are not happy and and they're they're screaming against him and 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 it's it's definitely something is happening there. Right, and then um, again from my recollection of earlier conversations, then the the gunfire started. Uh, well, yeah. So, but you didn't know who's shooting, 
where and uh, bullets flying everywhere, uh, flying into the uh, royal palace, uh, the, the the library, uh, just the library got on fire, and so so it's it's panic, you know, uh, because you have no idea who's shooting from where and why. Uh, but but before before that, you know, people actually got in yeah. uh, inside the the communist party and and sacked the place and throwing things. Uh, so the shooting didn't start immediately. Uh, I left with a video with my friend because we heard that um, a lot of things are happening. The television, the Romanian television, was the only one yeah. uh, national television. So on the way, I stopped at my house uh, to talk to my dad and my dad said you don't go anywhere because this is a coup this is not a revolution uh, so you need to stay in the house because they're the same people at the at the television they're same communists that you know so my dad knew exactly from the very beginning that that's not truly a revolution so uh, it was very interesting so very I very- I could talk to you about this for maybe an hour and a half, but I think we'll move on just a little bit. But it, but it does sort of lead into the larger question. When was it that you knew that you wanted to go to the U.S. and what or, – or anywhere aside from Romania? And then what was that process like? Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Uh, I I would say probably after I finished my, my uh, military training – after I came out from the army and went into university, probably in my sophomore year university, I started like, well, I can't live here anymore because that's when everything went to the dark in Romania. So the, the darkest years uh, when Romania was the only country that paid their national debt and and was nothing in Romania. There was nothing to eat. There's no heating. There's nothing. There's no gas for cars. So um, yeah. It was apocalyptic, I would say, and uh, at that point, I'm like, I, I got to get out of here um, with any risk. So I was planning on maybe swim over Danube into Yugoslavia and try to move on. I had friends that did that. So we've been planning for all kind of escape routes. Um, and of course, to me, it was always America, you know, so... Uh, you know, my friends like, well, Italy is better, Germany, close. I said, nah, you know, to me, it's America. That's the only place I want to be. Uh, why? I Maybe because my coach lived in America. Mm, okay. Uh, and that influenced me. Maybe because I, I had some friends that, that – and maybe because of the movies, uh, you know, the, all the American culture uh, that that I love so much as, as a teenager. So uh, to me, it was always American. Well, then fascinating stuff. The, the, the idea of having to swim away to, to freedom is so interesting. But uh, and, yeah, um, but then the decision was made and the process began. And then suddenly you end up in Dallas, Texas, of all places. How does that happen? Yeah, life is very interesting. So, <laughs> uh, so in 1990, by some some luck, I just I just went to a meeting and I met a American uh, uh, lawyer from Detroit, um, and he wanted to start a company in Romania at that point, and that, and that which we became the first uh, legal adoption company in Romania. Oh. And I end up that I, you know, I ran that company, and for a year, I had couples from the United States, you know, from Michigan, from California, from Texas. Uh, uh, 
coming to adopt uh, children from Romania and did everything there, you know, represent them in the court, five kids, so the whole process. Uh, so it was very complicated and emotional, but uh, uh, to make it short, we, we had a couple from Richardson uh, that I became really close to them. They went through some extraordinary times there. Uh, I helped them out and they adopted a little boy from Romania uh, and the American embassy denied the kid visa. Mm. So I end up uh, keeping the kid in my house for like three months. Uh, and then I had a visa because it's very difficult to get a visa for the United States in yeah. 1991 when I came. But I got a visa through my, uh, uh, my employer, through my uh, uh, law firm from Detroit. Got a visa. Uh, by that time, the kid got a visa. So I came uh, to the United States and I had to bring the kid to Richardson, to Texas. So since I didn't know anybody in America, I had no relatives, no friends. Uh, this guy, his name is Rick Cosman, said, well, you got to stay in Texas. You know, it's God's country. What are you doing? <laughs> and I said, sure, if you think so, I'll stay here. <laughs> I have no idea what Apollo is in Texas. To, to me, you know, I knew the American people. You know, I played against the Americans, of course, but I had no idea how big America is. I had no idea that Paul is just in California. And so I thought, Paul is everywhere. I said, sure, I'm going to stay in Texas. You know? So, <laughs> so that, that's kind of in short terms, in a short lines, how, how I end up in, uh, in Texas uh, in, in May of 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, of all places in Texas, that's so great. I mean, we're, we're much better off for having you here than in California, I'll put it that way. Uh, well, um, thank you. You're very nice. <laughs> a quick note is that uh, just the sheer number of children that were left in orphanages around oh. that time, just a, a, a really heartbreaking story. So it's, I, I had no idea that you were involved in that process of oh, adoption. Very emotional, very emotional. Like I said, that one year for me, it probably took five years of my life because to go through all the emotions of these couples trying to get the kids and sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. And uh, it's, it's very emotional. So it was a, it was, you know, rewarding for me uh but also was very tough so yeah uh, i'm happy for what i did but i would not do it again no and um it wasn't soon but you did eventually end up at saint mark's and uh and it wasn't necessarily for water polo when no. you signed a contract with them and that you knew that you were going to be working there did you have any particular aims in mind um yes so uh, I was the aquatics director at Four Seasons, and through friends, I, I found out that St. Mark's was the only school in Dallas that had water polo. In 75 so, and 77, I think, right? Yeah, that was in the 70s. They won in 75, 77. Of course, it was a lot smaller the sure. then, but they did win. But in the mid-80s, they dropped the program because there was no competition in Dallas, so all the all the games were in San Antonio or Houston, and the coaches got tired of traveling every weekend to play, so they dropped the program. Right. Uh, so to me, I went to the athletic director and and I expressed my, hey, look, you know, this is who I am. I would like to start it back. And he said, well, I'm not sure if we want to, but maybe we can use it to do other things here. And uh, I said, fine. And then after that, that was in 96, he called me and said, you're not going to believe it, but I have like three or four kids that would like to play polo. So 
I came in 96 and, and I did a season of polo voluntarily for St. Mark's and then went away. And, and then in 97, they called me and said, look, we have a job for you if you want. And, wow. uh, and I came in and I started um, coaching volleyball and soccer. And then I started a rugby program and then I started a team handball program. Uh, so, so I coach a lot of things. But of course, the only thing in my mind was to start water polo again. And in 1999, I took the swim team uh, as the varsity coach of swim team. And then from there on, I started pushing water polo and, and um, I built the swim team around the water polo team, which eventually in the long term was a great success right. for the swim team. Um, and uh, had to drop handball in 2009. <laughs> Finally. And, well, we had to do, I had to do it because the, we moved to spring. Um uh, and handball was a spring sport, so uh, we dropped handball and, and kind of um, obviously moved on like anybody else in the state. It was a kind of an explosion of water polo after 2009. So the, the best thing that ever we've done in this recently was moving to spring, no question about it. Right. So, I didn't realize you were involved in all the weird European sports that Americans don't understand. Handball, I, water I polo. Know. Football. I, trust me, it was, it was funny trying to even introduce it to people. And uh, but I, you're going to be surprised. Team handball was an um, immense success at St. Mark's. We we played in Junior Olympics, won the California State Championship uh, for ten years. Wow. Uh, we hosted the Texas uh, Cup, and it was handball was amazing. And and we had some amazing kids, you know, that now they played in NFL and all that that played handball for me. And it was great. Rugby was also good. Um, judo, I had to do judo. Wow. So a lot of a lot of eclectic. <laughs> team, team handball is so awesome, and I I admit I'm one of those who watches it, you know, essentially every four years. So I'm I'm missing out on it this summer with the delay of the Olympics. But uh, it's not only it, you know it's it's really fun to watch in and of itself, but it's also an incredibly useful water polo training uh, oh, method. It's, it's I think it's it's water polo on land. That's what yeah. I. Think. You know, it's yeah. no question about it. It's this, I mean, obviously you can do different, you know, different techniques and different type of tactics because you're on dry land. But the, the whole idea and the concept, it's, it's the same game. We've reached the halfway point in our conversation with St. Mark's head coach, Mihai Oprea. But before we come back, here's a message. Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we want to keep it that way, so we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. We return with more with head coach Mihai Oprea. So uh, by the end of the 90s, you weren't yet a varsity sport. I think you're, the, the swim team had has long been established as one of right. the good teams in the States as a varsity sport, but water polo was not until no. 2004? That's correct, yes. Yeah, so so how did that uh, – was that the plan all along? I mean, it only makes sense that it would. Well, yeah, there was, that was obviously the plan, but uh, it was a uphill battle. Um as you probably know, uh, since 98, 99, uh, there are very few programs here. It was Chris Collin at uh, Denton and Regina Moss at uh, Richardson and Pierce and St. Mark's up here. 
uh, and and obviously everybody's starting from from zero, um, and then moving on and getting a zone here in in 2000 uh, with Temple in our zone, uh, and and starting from there, you know. So uh, in 2000, uh, when it was the first uh, uh, first time for the North Region to have a championship. Uh, so from 2000 2009, uh, only the the top team, the team that wins the championship in the North Region, would go to state. Okay. But not really going to state. They would have to play, have a play-in game to get into state. Wow. So so we did that for years. In 2000, Temple won. Then from 2001 over for many 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 years, St. Mark's won. And we won in, and, and of course, the first few years, we lost the first game by 30, 40 points, of course. Um, we got destroyed. But then, like I said, like you said, in 2004, finally, um, we, we came varsity. That made a little difference, you know, because we can attract a few more kids. Uh, but again, it was a long process. Uh, trying to get support from from the administration, you know, trying to to get the kids' interest to play. Uh, you might you might know the pool at St. Mark's. You know, it's, it's we're very lucky to have one, but it's not necessarily good for water polo. Uh, so you're trying to sell a sport that you can ex- actually can practice in that pool. Right. Uh, so so it was a it's a long process, but um, but it was a good one. I admit that I've actually never been to the St. Mark's campus. I've been here since 2011, give or take a, a yeah. year or two. Yeah, so I need to get I, I need to make my way up there. So, yeah. um, you are one of many Europeans who have come to this country with a water polo background, and I'm always fascinated about your experience with the athletes here. And what I mean is. There's most definitely different cultures um, around the world as far as athletes are concerned. What was it that you learned about the differences in, uh, that, that Americans exhibited uh, uh, you know, in comparison with Romanians and other Europeans? Yeah. yeah. No, I understand. Um, well, my, my, my biggest problem at the beginning uh, was the lack of games and the lack of playing because uh, – I had to 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 be consistent on this discipline of kind of delay gratification and work on your skills, work on your fundamentals rather than just play. Mm. So so I encountered this problem that that the kids just wanted to play. They didn't want yeah. to spend time on conditioning. They didn't want to spend time on swimming. They didn't want to spend time on legs. They didn't want to spend time on ball handling. They they just wanted to play. And and it took a while to to convince them through generations, you know, that, hey, you just you just can't play. This is not playing. This is kind of like backyard play. You can do that in your own pool. That is not pole. So uh, you pretty much had to change the entire culture uh, of the program. So when a kid came to the program, they knew what to expect. They knew mm-hmm. that they're going to have to bust their butts, you know, in, in practice and, pra- you know, conditioning and skills and, uh, technique and fundamentals. So I think what the dif- that's what the difference you that you are mentioning is uh, the time that European coaches are spending on fundamentals. Um, and I think you know it's a total different culture and the coaches that can be a little bit more strict. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 
you know, they, you, there are a lot more things you can do to your athletes than here. <laughs> you know? uh, and the family will understand it, actually will support it. Here will probably get arrested. So, uh, you know, so, yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, but but with time, you know, if you develop a culture of hard work and discipline and, you know, that the kids actually like it. Uh, that's what I learned, that the boys, and I coach only boys at St. Right. Louis, that boys like discipline. You know, they, they really do. Uh, they don't want to show it, but uh, we're pack animals, you know, so they like discipline and they, they like leadership. So uh, with time, they learn, but it was uh, it was it was tough, you know. That's a great way to put it, the pack animal things. And so you led your pack to its first state championship in 2009. What are your memories of that year and uh, and of that team? Oh, it was just the most fun and most great memories, of course, because your first one. And 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 we knew how long it took us, um, uh, you know, from from the from the 2001 playing game when we lost to Clear Lake 42 to one, I think, or whatever it was. Uh, and with having kids that could not swim a 25 straight uh, and a goalie could not tread water for more than 10 seconds and had to go hang on the wall uh, and then end up winning a championship. I mean, can you imagine? It's just, um, it was obviously, you know, we won a few more times after that, but no one is as sweet at that one uh, because it was the first and it was unexpected for anybody, you know. So we had a great group of kids at that time, not necessarily the, the best there in terms of water polo players, but they had the heart and that team would never lose. I mean, they would not allow anybody to beat them. So, so proud of them. It was just great memory. So maybe a little bit less skilled than some of your later teams, but oh, uh, as much harder as you've ever seen, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about it. when you talk about skill and fundamentals and swimming ability or shooting or anything they're just like not even close to any of you know any of the teams from 2003 up so uh but but again they're a great group of guys great leadership uh you know and and this um this attitude that uh, i'm not gonna let you walk over me and 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 took the challenge and and that was that was amazing very proud of those kids Right, and so then um, a, a loss in the state championships in 2011, and then a run that began basically, uh, well, 2014, in which you uh, you won f- uh, four, five out of the the following six years. Yeah. And I know for a fact that you're more interested, really, in the consistency of this team over that period of time. So there's an 11 year period in which you were top three. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Uh, from 2009, we were, we were every year in the top three, either either win, uh, came in second once, uh, and and third, and and that every year was by losing by one goal in a semifinal. So we're very close every year. We're legit chances to win. So uh, yeah, what exactly what you said? The consistency is what um, what I am really proud of that program and and the kids and and everybody was part of it. My my coaching staff um, that I think is amazing, you know, with uh, Spencer Dornin and Peter Hudak and, and Alex Tankovic and, and my wife with Janice Opera throughout the years. I mean, they're just amazing, amazing coaches and we had amazing kids. So, you know, to be to be there in the top three for, for 
12 years, and I think we had legit, legit uh, this year would be probably in the top three. Uh, and, and looking at the rosters and, and teams probably next year too. So that's that's a great run. So I'm really proud of that. There's nothing more fun than speculating about who, and we're assuming that there will not be a state championship this year. That we might be wrong about that, but um, but the, that's one of the most fun speculations is whether it's St. Mark's, whether it's Geyer, whether it's Foster, somebody else. The, oh. the, who knows? But the, oh. the it's a it's a cool water cooler talk, as they say. Absolutely. I mean, all these teams, you know, you know Geyer is an exceptional team with Cameron and 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 Chris Collin as a coach, and uh, obviously they have a unbelievable chance to win this year same thing with foster and scott and uh, maybe other teams there but we do too we always said you know we we do have a chance and again if we're if we would not win would i i'm almost sure we'd be in the top three so um you know but but again i hope you're wrong you know i hope you have a chance <laughs> Me too. To play, but but uh, unfortunately i am so sad for the seniors and and looking at like like Chris's team with with uh, with his son on the yeah. team and and all the seniors he has on the team to to not have this chance is is tragic, and I'm so sorry and um, for my kids too and all the other seniors there it's just uh, just a tragedy, uh, but you know. It's not much we can do about no, it. No, not really. Um, uh, here, let's get in some some controversial questions. My uh, my selection when Joe and I come to the end of the best team that I've ever seen is your 2015 team that uh, Tim Simmons was the the captain of. Right. And uh, that that shouldn't be a, a surprise. But I've only been here since 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um. I'm. I will ask if you have a favorite or the best of your teams, but you don't. Ha- I, I wonder whether you want to answer that. But if you don't want to answer that, yeah. Do you recall a team that you observed not, you know, not St. Mark's that was the most impressive over the course of your career? Well, uh, I, you're right. I, I mean, I I'm proud of, of of all the teams, and 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 we know we look better sometimes than other times, but. But I think each team that won was an amazing team. And and um, but you're right. I mean, other teams that that I liked throughout the career, my career here, uh, you know, obviously Clear Lake um, uh, were were kind of like the top when when we started with Tom Landgraf there. Um, you know, Sterling with Mac and then Scott. Uh, there's some teams from San Antonio. Um, I can't remember now exactly the name, but uh, this or or the kid, and I'm sorry about it because this is one of the best kids I've seen uh, on a San Antonio team. I re- I remember, can't remember exactly the year, but uh, but um, straight Jesuit had an amazing team, and everybody thought they were gonna win, and we had this team from San Antonio. I can't remember the. The name of the kid, or the, but I think he scored nine goals in that game and and, and took straight, <laughs> uh, straight Jesuit out, um, and that was that was amazing to see. Uh, so so there's some 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 teams out there that that I enjoyed, you know, side cricket some sometimes the couple of years. Um, so so definitely lots of good teams, lots of good players, individual players. Um, I, I haven't I haven't seen a team yet that would have seven people in the water that are amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but again, there were 
two or three, you know, that they're like just amazing players. And, and these guys obviously end up playing college and division one college. And there are a bunch of them from Houston. Uh, there are a few from, from Dallas, of course. Right. So, uh, it's very, it's, it's hard. It, it's hard. I really have to, to start thinking really hard about this and kind of put it on the paper and, and look and try to, to scratch my memory to, to be, you know, really, um, fair in in saying which team i think is the best that's all right we put you on the spot uh, for a reason and the, again yeah. we can talk to you offline about whether uh you know there's something that stands out so right, um, right. we want to wrap up here because we've taken a bunch of your time but the news is you're leaving texas and going back to romania and um so uh, as you're leaving there's a couple things that come to mind one is that uh I don't think I've ever heard you speak about the UIL decision, which has a, which is detrimental to St. Mark's, which has had such success. What have you been thinking about that entire thing? Uh, well, I I always supported it, uh, and the reason I supported it is because I believe it's the right thing for the sport, and I think the sport itself is bigger than St. Mark's. It's bigger than than any coach. Uh, because that's the future of the sport. So uh, even though I didn't actively participate in meetings and all that, but I always supported. I always supported with Chris Collin, with Joe, and anybody else. Um, I, I knew it would be bad for us, and 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 we are we're working on 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 figure out ways for St. Mark's because evidently it wipes us off from from from. Uh, playing in a state, right? Uh, so that's probably one of the worst things can happen to St. Mark's, but one of the obviously the best things can happen for the sport. So, so I, I had to be fair, um, and I love the sport and I love the kids, and and uh, we need to to do what's best for the sport, you know, and. And uh, again, unfortunately for St. Mars, is the best for the sport. Well, can you tell us anything, and maybe you can, maybe you can't, about whether the SPC, which is the conference in which St. Mark's typically competes for the rest of its sports, it's a small, um, a small conference within the state, but still has some very pretty powerful members. Has there been any effort amongst them, or or the or, or any other conference, to create its own league or championship with water polo? Uh, Yes, we. What I I know, you know, like like Joe and Chris, Colin and and myself, we tried. We got Green Hill to play for a while. Uh, we had Cistercian play for a while. Um, we are obviously now with the the administration at St. Mark's. We're trying to help and 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 kind of put a little bit of pressure on on other teams from SBC and Taps. Uh, to try to start a program, uh, putting some pressure on Green Hill right now. Uh, you know what I mean? Pressure. Just trying to try to convince them that it's a good sport to to, to do. So, right. um, so obviously this is the only future for St. Marks uh, would be a, a private state championship. You know, we tried the, the Joe hand work really hard in the past. We had a couple of those, but only three, four teams. Uh, so we need to grow that. Um, we need to, to try to recruit more SPC teams, TAPS teams. Uh, so, so a team like St. Mark's will continue to have a future in the sport. So, uh, because that would be a shame, um, uh, 
to see that sport going or, or diminishing in any way uh, at that school. Well, I understand um, that your return to Romania might be a temporary one. You don't, you're not entirely sure. Um, in 20 seconds, what are you doing back in uh, in your country? Well, uh, we built a pool with a couple of friends. Uh, so we have our own pool and uh, fitness center, and uh, and start um, start a program there with uh, swimming, polo. Uh, fitness, uh, uh, swim lessons, uh, anything that has to do with aquatics. Um, and we are building that pool. It's it's uh, almost done. I, I believe in two, three months from now, it's going to be completed. Uh, but like you said, it's uh, nobody can look in the future and, and be sure how it works. So at this point, is is temporary. So kind of uh, work uh, out of the country abroad and uh, see how it works and um, you never know. I mean, it might be something that I don't want to do. Maybe I just want to be here. So, uh, but maybe something that would work. So this time it's kind of in the air, but, but um, I, you know, yes, I have to, to change gear and, um, and, and start working on, uh, on, that, on that project now for, for me. That might be a conversation worth having with you before uh, before you end up taking off, whenever that might be. I mean, obviously, schedules are all up in the air at this point, right, but uh, right. something for us to talk about in the future. But until then, Mihai, it's been a delight to speak with you, and uh, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The same to you. Stay safe. Thank you, James. Thanks for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Polo podcast, and be sure to visit TotalWaterPolo.com, our other site find some very useful educational materials and of course news and features about water polo throughout the united states and if you're wondering why we end the show with this music well that's playground by 12 hour mary whose lead singer is brett bixby standout water polo player at long beach wilson high school back in the 80s and my former bandmate so go check out his solo work at myspace.com forward slash brett bixby Imagine all the things that we could do if I could spend it on myself and you. This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.